0: hi everyone welcome to the understand the bible podcast you're about to listen to a sermon on galatians chapter 6 verses 1 to 10 we're coming to the end of galatians now and i really hope that you've enjoyed this series and this sermon today is about what a grace-filled christian community should look like you might like to have a read of the passage beforehand and the link will be down below in the description And just to let you know that the podcast will be taking a break in the month of August. There won't be any new sermons on the podcast uh, through the month of August. Uh, There's one more next week, and then we'll have um, August off, but we will be coming back in September. So do stay subscribed. And don't forget that there is more content available on the YouTube channel as well, the Understand the Bible YouTube channel. I've just finished the How to Live as a Christian course. And the final session was about raising children. So if you're interested in that, do hop over and have a look on YouTube. Thanks so much for subscribing, everyone. I hope to see you again soon. God bless. Of community, uh, where things are, people are, don't get on with each other, where people are this backbiting, perhaps where um, people are talking behind each other's back, all of these sorts of things. We can all think of bad examples of uh, of community. But what should uh, a grace and spirit-filled community look like? So over the last. Few weeks in uh, as we've been going through relations, we've been looking at grace, the grace of God. And in this passage here, we're turning to think about not just what it looks like in our know, individual lives, what it should look like in us as a community. And, and all the way through, actually, the focus has been on the church, on the on the community, isn't it? But particularly in this passage, uh, that's what we are thinking about. Uh, so let 's look into this passage there uh, chapter six, verse one. He says, "If someone is called in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently but watch, yourself, watch yourselves or you may also be tempted so i don 't know what the uh, what the particular situation was, but perhaps um, there were uh, factions in the church, people who said, well, such and such a person has committed a, something, done something wrong, so let's throw them out. But what Paul said is, no, that's not the way. He said, if someone is, is doing something wrong, then you need to try to restore them gently, uh, without, yeah. without um, being tempted yourself. And it's very easy, isn't it? I, I wonder if what he means. Sometimes, the um, as they say, the cure could be worse than the disease. And I think sometimes if you try to to help someone else, it can actually, um, or discipline someone else, it can actually end up, you know, you end up being worse than them. Um, So that's what he says. We need to, um, it's not about blame and finger pointing. That's not what the church should be like. That we should try to help each other. And that's what he says. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you'll fulfil the law of Christ you think about the law of love that we've been thinking about. Carry each other's burdens. So if people are struggling, if someone is struggling with with sin, if someone is struggling in in various ways, then we need to help them. We need to look to, to see how we can ease that load rather than just, like Jesus said about the Pharisees, you put heavy burdens on people and then you don't lift a finger to help them. And as a church, we should be different. And it's a real expression of what he said before uh, that we looked at last time chapter 5 verse 13 that you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love so to serve one another humbly in love that's what he's talking about that's the, the picture that he's painting here and he says then in verse, verse 3 if anyone thinks they're something when they're not they deceive themselves and what I think he means is, if you, think that you're a, um, if you think that you're something, you won't help other people. If you have too high a view of yourself, you might think, well, I'm above helping such and such a person. And uh, if you have this kind of holier than thou attitude, then that's really um, toxic to the community. That we, we mustn't you know think too highly of ourselves, think you know that oh I'm above that, I'm above helping them, um, but actually we should all be looking out for each other. And then he goes on, uh, and he says each one should test their own actions and take pride in themselves alone, without comparing them to someone else. But each one should carry their own load. So what what I think he's basically saying here is that we've all got our own race to run. Um, you know, we've all got to, um, if you like, mind your own business, um, not in a kind of not taking any interest in other people, but that your holiness and your walk with the Lord is your responsibility. You're not responsible for someone else's uh, walk with the Lord. You know, that, that it, God has given it to you, and so we should look to ourselves uh, first and foremost. And um, I think it goes back to, you know what Jesus said, I was reading this in um, Luke's, um, uh, the Sermon on the plane, they call it, in Luke, when Jesus talks about specks and, and moats and beams and things, you know, and take the plank out of your own eye, and so on, and don't judge others. I think it's, again, it's a similar thing going on, that, um, you know, that yes, God has, has given us a race to run, and we should run that, without interfering with other people. Uh, if you like. Um, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Um, and um, I'm not entirely sure um, why Paul includes that at this point, but it, it sort of links in with what he said elsewhere. So, for example, one Corinthians chapter nine verse fourteen says. Um, Uh, in the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel and so that's what what he says elsewhere that um, people who hear the word of God um, should uh, share what they have with the people who preach so that people can be set apart to proclaim the word of God because that is a calling, that's a vocation and that's something which um, that's one, that's one way as a church that we can all play a part, isn't it? In ensuring that people are, are able to be set apart to preach. Um, and then in this, this second paragraph, uh, which we'll look at a bit more briefly, uh, it, he says, don't be deceived. And man reaps what he sows. And what he's, he's basically saying here is, uh, our actions have consequences. Our actions have consequences. And a lot of people these days don't think that actions have consequences. And people, and I think the way that people live, and this is what Paul has been talking about, you know, is people have been living for the flesh, people have been living for um, their own desires, for their own selfish desires. And Paul says, don't be deceived. If you live that way, that will, uh, that will come to destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. And it's, it's important, isn't it, to always think about that eternal consequence when we're thinking about what's right and wrong. It does help us to make the decision, doesn't it? You know, what will reap eternal life in the end? Now, if we're considering different actions and you know, thinking about the eternal. Uh, eternal consequences uh, does help us, I think, to make these decisions Someone, I uh, saw, um, used that illustration the other day You know, if you've got scales there and you've got, uh, in, in one hand, the one scale and you've got today, uh, this life, our mortal life and in the other, you've got eternal life it would just be, you wouldn't even be able to budge the scale, would you? you know, for, for eternal life. Um, it would, it's so much more than anything that we're happening at, that's happening at the moment. And that's what we need to keep our eyes on. And so he encourages us at the end, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we'll reap the harvest if we do not give up. Uh, so uh, do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So he says, don't be discouraged. Keep on doing good. And presumably there must have been some people in the church there who weren't becoming discouraged of doing good, who were thinking, well, I'm doing all this good, and no one's listening, or no one is um, responding to that. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps people will still treat each other badly, I don't know. He says, no, don't, don't become weary in doing good. That's what God wants you to do. Whether people respond well or not, don't become weary in doing good. And as we have the opportunity... Now, we can't do it as we don't have the opportunity, but God will give us opportunities to do good. And as, as he does, let's do good, especially to, to our fellow our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are family. So that's, that's kind of a priority, I suppose, and not just doing good in a general sense. That's, that's important, but especially within, within the church, within our, our sort of brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is all about Christian community, and um, this is something which I, I don't think we as a, um, as a church, and I mean not just our local church, but the Western world in, in general, I don't think we really grasp the significance of this very much, because I think we're so used to thinking about things in terms of um, in, in individualistic. You know, it's just about me and my faith in God and I think we often think about the Christian life in those terms um, and I think it's people sometimes ask that question can you be a Christian without going to church and I think that question really stems from a misunderstanding you know because I know that I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any at the moment but you know, I used to take communion. Um, you know, to think about um, dear uh, Daphne Bruce um, and of course you know she's um, pastor, a couple of years ago, but um, you know, she loved to have been coming to church, but she couldn't because of her health. But that didn't make her less part of the church, you know. But then that's the thing, isn't it? That if you don't want to be part of God's people, it, it's not about health, it's about not wanting to be part of God's people, then you're not a Christian. And that's that's, the, that's the, the long and the short of it that to be a Christian means to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and to love um, our fellow believers, and that, that takes lots more forms than just coming to church. But it's not less than that. Uh, you know, this is, this is important, and uh, being with each other, singing praises to God is important. So when we grow in Christ, we should be growing in our desire to serve one another and to love one another. Um, being a Christian is, is not a matter of selfish ambition as we, we read in verse 3, about thinking ourselves higher than we ought. It's not a matter of condemning other people and just pointing the finger and saying, you, you you're doing X, Y, and Z. But it is about taking responsibility for our own actions. It's about saying, um, you know, we, uh, we have this race to run and I will love other people. And it is about uh, doing good. And that is a real picture of a healthy community, isn't it? when we don't point the finger at other people, when we do do good, regardless, that is a healthy community. And that's what it looks like to walk in step with the Spirit, um, which we read just at the end of um, chapter five, keep in step with the Spirit. And that's just where I wanted to finish, um, really, as we come to the end. I think it's easy to, to look at this and to think, as I did just a little bit earlier, I'm saying that, you look at the list of them like that and you think, well, I'm a long way from doing that. And I don't do these things very well. But that's the whole point of it, that we accomplish this by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And it's actually when we realise our need, when we come to God, uh, we can say, well, I'm sorry for not doing the things which I should have been doing. And that's repentance. And then we say to God, please give me the Holy Spirit to help me more tomorrow, next week. To live in your ways. And and he will. And you know, we grow and we we we're able to love because we have God's love in our hearts. Not because we've got that love by our own efforts, but because God gives it to us. And so that's where I wanted to leave us at the end. That yes, this is a a lot to ask, if you like, but it's something that God works in us, not that we do ourselves. So let's let's look to Him. And let's ask for his help. And let's do that now as we close. Let's pray together and ask God to help us. And so Heavenly Father, we know that as we look at this passage, um, that um, we do fall short in many ways. And uh, we pray that you would help us, Lord, as a church, as a community, um, at St. John's and St. Marks, as well as in the wider, at the wider church, Uh, to reflect on the way that we are uh, with each other and that we may be, uh, as this passage says, just to keep uh, doing good to one another, Uh, not to be uh, pointing the finger, but to be seeking to to do good, to do your will. And we pray that you would work this in us, this love in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So please change us as as a church to be Uh, more and more the church that you want us to be as we seek to serve and love one another humbly in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.